Dante Mitchell. These are my stories. Hi, right, folks. Have a good day today. Let me the first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must note that I am not a doctor or psychiatrist. If you're starting to actually diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I always be based on my experiences. And also, do not own the right to the intro natural that I found on ytmp3.com. Also, I've missed a serious review with all of you. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that many are disabilities. If you want spectrum are not broken, you do not need to be fixed. Those who have conditions or abilities are not to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some paid for the following. We did have two brand new sponsors for our AR Air Summerfest. They are Central Fire Station and Cincinnati Christian Church. We appreciate the chairs and table donations you made for our Summerfest. We need to focus on Dependable Dave right now. Our neighborhood waste collection business, Dependable, is willing to pick up your trash. He is so kind that he even provided the AR AR Summerfest with two dumpsters. He is your man when you need your trash clean up once you bag it. And there are some people I like to thank. First, I like to thank the former Omega's Got Talent dance group Cornell Bonger for not only responding to my fan mail, but also for playing a story about me on Instagram. You guys are awesome and be sure to dance away. Last week, my mother at C105 Meet My Mother did a focus group on what sources are not there. I appreciate everyone who attended the focus group. I also have some connections I need to mention. Jamie McCabe from Special Needs Living Magazine is our first point of call. Jamie lives in Indianapolis and has a special needs child. She organizes exclusive get-togethers to create relationships, distributes a magazine every month with content produced by neighboring special needs families and offers Indiana families a variety of resources. Ben Park from My School Options, also from Indianapolis, is the next person on the list. Every student in Indiana has access to top-notch educational options because of the K-12 My School Options system, which also acts like a state network for the promotion of family-friendly educational policies. Their goal is to raise the standard of education for all students in Indiana. All children, whether they attend a traditional public school, an approved chartered school, or a school that is privately owned endorses practices that emphasize the interests of the student. Our company is built on the four guiding principles, elevating and valuing excellent educators, providing fair funding to each educational setting, upholding strict accountability for children's educators, and ensuring that everyone has a choice of high-quality options. They will be a vendor for our AR Summerfest. Andrew Arobe is the last link on the list of names. Through his speaking engagements and freelance work with business, Andrew, an autistic self-advocate with slightly more than five years of professional experience, aids autistic people in their daily lives. At the 32nd Annual Autism Conference of the Autism Connection in the Massachusetts town of Springfield, Andrew gave the keynote speech. For concerns related to adjusting to adulthood and transportation, Andrew believes that cooperation is essential. He is conscious of the potential restrictions brought on by a lack of trustworthy mode of transportation. Andrew assists people locating what suits them. Make sure to see if we will be doing any additional collaborative work with these amazing people. I also visited two of my prior networking events, nationwide virtual networking and global worldwide online speed networking. I did recognize several people, but I also noticed some new ones as well. And since the last episode, I have been on the Life After Dot 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 podcast with Daniel Ross. What a great podcast, everyone. Now, folks, we wrap back right here and add from the barn on Maryland Ridge, so let's get to it. There is a hidden gym in eastern Greene County, folks. Fowler's Pumpkin Patch and the barn on Maryland Ridge Wedding Barn. Autism Autism Rocks and Rolls is very proud to tell you about our friends, Perry and Renee Fowler, and their place of business. Both Fowler Pumpkin Patch and the barn on Maryland Ridge is a relaxing drive approximately 15 minutes from the heart of Bloomington, Indiana, and an hour south of Indianapolis. You can find them at 5347 South Green County Line Road, Bloomington, Indiana, 47403. The property has numerous picture locations, including several rolling fields, antique tractors, red and rustic barns, trees, and much more. Customizing 
customized wedding packages are offered on their website. The surrounding area also provides several hotels in which to have your guests stay for your destination wedding. Also, Fowler's Pumpkin Patch is a family-owned and operated seasonal pumpkin patch. It's the perfect place to take your family for some fall fun. Enjoy picking out pumpkins, hay rides, a corn maze, and a petting zoo. Call the Fowlers today at 812-327-4895 or 812-325-6022. All right, folks, we're back, and yes, you'll definitely hear the words I do at this wedding barn. This episode we want that you do not want to miss because my guest is Pro Wrestling's 2021 Hall of Famer, Kane. Debuting in 1995 as Isaac Yankum, DDS, Jerry Lawler's private dentist, he was star of rivalry with Bret Hart. However, he was set into superstar in 1997 at Bad Blood in your house when he interfered and caused The Undertaker to lose to Shawn Michaels in the first ever Hell in a Cell map. Since that day, PS became a winner of the Money in the Bank ladder map, a two-time Intercontinental Champion, a WWE Champion, and even a member of Team Hell No. Nowadays, he is the official mayor of Knott County, Tennessee. Kane is on my show because his characters are both representations of mental health. Dr. Isaac Yakum was a scary dentist, while Kane was a manifestation of hellish fire in a horror-themed juggernaut. The Undertaker, his older half-brother, committed malicious acts of arson when they were young, which served as an inspiration for the character's concept and persona. Kane was included in a particular contest created especially for him, known as the Inferno Map. He is also on my show because, according to multiple sources, Kane is one of the nicest people you will ever meet outside of his wrestling character. So please help me welcome the Devil's Favorite Demon and the current mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, Kane. Mr. Kane, how are we doing today, my friend? I'm doing all right, Sam. How are you? I'm wonderful. My first question is, what did representing mental health mean to you? Well, I never looked at it that way in WWE. I think that the Kane character was actually pretty complex and complicated. Been through trauma. Do you remember when we took the mask off in like 2003? You know, people were like, where are the scars, right? Because that was the story that came and burned a fire and wore a mask and covered the scars. And then there weren't any scars. Like the scars are on the inside. And to me, that made Kane a much more dangerous character because of the way he perceived himself. It was based on the book The Red Dragon by Thomas Harris, which is one of the Hannibal Lecter books. And in The Red Dragon, the villain, he had a cleft palate, got it fixed, grew a mustache so you could never tell that he had cleft palate. He'd grown up in an abusive household with his grandmother. That defined him in his own mind, that he was a monster because he had this physical deformity that he didn't even really have. That's from the performance aspect of it, but I do have a lot of people that tell me that the character would help them through some tough times because Kane had obviously been through a lot. He'd been bullied, been picked on, and all those sort of things, and was standing up for himself in a way that most people wouldn't or never should, but in context of WWE. And ultimately, he was an underdog that was able to overcome a lot of challenges to get to the top of his profession. I think Kane did help a lot of kids as a child. You're talking to one of them. I'll admit right there, Kane helped me get through some tough times. Even though, as eight years old, you were legitly terrifying. Like, they, <laughs> they had nightmares about the boogeyman. No, I had nightmares about Kane. I'll tell you, when I was watching you in 2012, I was thinking, oh, God, this guy is Hannibal Lecter 2.0. <laughs> Did they put dark circles around you in the mask? I didn't notice this until last night. Because it looked weird to have the mask and then my flesh. And a lot more ominous if you just had the eyes coming out of the mask. Originally, it was the black paint. And then 
when we went to high definition, had to change it to a more red and paint to blend it with the mask. Yeah, at least they didn't say, hey, we're going to give you a black guy. Now that would have been <laughs> Exactly, that would have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> so your character, does Kaylee be a baby face or a heel better? I was like being a heel better because just with NWWE, there were no limits to what you could do then. As a good guy and his baby face, you had a set of morals that you had basically to stay within, right? Even though they would change, but even with like guys like Austin who were more of anti-heroes, they still had certain lines that they couldn't cross. But because you're the bad guy, you could do right? I always found that to be more fun. You could just pretty much do anything just to figure out how to put it within the context of the character. So you also did play a lot of characters, the Christmas creature. Can't forget about that one, can we? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Just like actors in wrestling, they often have different characters. And you see with everybody, it was funny because everybody talks about the Christmas creature. And that was like a two-week run down in Memphis, the very start of my career. Same with everybody, Undertaker, Austin, everybody, and he had different characters along the way before he finally found something that he could be successful at. And Dr. Isaac Yankum, I'll be honest, a lot of people said, oh, that character sucked. Well, I have a different view. I think it was a good idea, but it was with the wrong person. Uh, I would agree with you. Actually, at that time, WWE was still kind of the cartoonish stuff. And, you know, so they thought the character would be successful. didn't appeal to me. It wasn't something that I was interested in doing. Yeah, that's part of it is you're the person that actually has to make it work. Something can look great on paper, but if the performer can't make it come to life in a way that the audience is going to accept, it's not going to work. It's not something that I was comfortable doing. It's not something that's in my personality. But how did they rot your teeth? Did they just use yellow paint? We had different acrylics. I actually did that myself. But That was pretty dang good. I thought for sure they were rotten. <laughs> I've heard that Kane was the only one who got bullied, but Glenn Jacobs got bullied too. So what advice would you give to others who are going through bullying? I think the most important thing is to understand off the people that are doing the bullying are just not happy with themselves and what they're going through as well. And it's always hard to know what other people go through. But I really think in many cases, it's a form of projection where people are not happy with themselves and what's going on in their own life. They lash out at other people. And that's true of adults too. I mean, that's very true on social media media right now. When you see all the people that say stuff on social media, we can disagree, absolutely, but some of the vitriol and terrible things that people say, which they would never say to someone face-to-face, I think that medium, because it's anonymous, allows folks who are not happy with themselves basically make other people miserable. And I think that's really a lot of what bullying is. People uh, pick on folks that they see as not as strong as they are, as weak people, so that they feel stronger themselves. It certainly doesn't excuse the behavior, but I think when you are someone that's on the other side of it, understand why that's happening. It's not really about you. It's about them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with you because I think you're right. We forget to look at them too. I mean, bullies are humans too. There are people with issues, I believe, that manifest themselves in it often. Not everybody because there are just some people who just plain mean. But for a lot of people, it manifests itself. Their own perceived inadequacies manifest themselves picking up other people. But you're the opposite because as I read on multiple sources, like I said earlier, you're one of the kindest human beings alive. So who's taught you probably to be kind was it your family i think it's really just life experience and also realizing that how you treat people is how you're going to be treated so it's kind of selfish but that's just how the world works and we all have different worldviews and how we interact with people how we think the world works 
that just happens to be mine. Through the years, I've done a lot of work on myself as far as seeing things that I didn't like about myself and trying to improve those and trying to change and evolve into a better human being. And that's been a lot of it is just thinking about if I do this action, how to other folks, what does it actually do to me? And it doesn't make me feel good at all. There's probably something wrong with that. For me, I can't say that it was one person. I mean, I had a lot of people throughout my life, my coaches and teachers who were great role models. So it's probably a conglomeration of different people, kind of a collage of different people and their philosophies and ideas that impacted me. You got your scrapbook of pine, if you could put it that way, like you got page one, it's your mom, and then page two, we showed you. That is a good way to put it, yes. Layers. That's the way I was thinking. You wanted to be a teacher, from what I've heard. So you were a guy degree in English. So what did you find fascinating about English at the time you were studying it? And I relate because my mother, for the listeners, C105, meet my mother, is an English teacher. So when I went to college, I got a scholarship to play basketball. I spent about a year as a computer science major. This was back in the late 80s, and that just didn't really appeal to me because it was so technical. I'm, I'm a big fan of both English and history. Actually, my strengths were always in social studies. I think the thing about literature is it's creative. What wrestling did is it combines both athleticism and creativity and stories. That's what appealed to me about the wrestling was that I could still do athletic stuff. I was playing college football, hurt my knee very bad. Badly, and I figured that I could teach and coach, but I still wanted to play athletics. I was an English guy too, and a social studies guy. I was never math and science person. But the more right. I look at it, you're right. I mean, the promos—they're just words that you can play around with, and that's the same thing in English. You're playing around with words. It's the same. You see themes and good versus evil, and the storytelling and matches are stories. That's really what they are. Storylines are stories, and as you said, the promo is stories, and often they're stories within stories, but nevertheless, it's the same. Then you have over-the-top characters. It really is. It is live performance art. It's the modern version of Shakespeare in a different way. How about Shakespeare, then? Not a Shakespeare person. I'm more of an egg round. Oh, guy, I'm sorry, Kane. That's okay. <laughs> Now, I want to know this, too, with wrestling, so let's do a little comparison here. So do you think Payne and Glenn Jacobs are anything similar? I could probably a lot of differences, granted, but is there any similarities between you guys? Off the top, no. I think that I'm a very introverted person, so I think that's the case, is actually we're both people that often prefer to be on our own, loners. Sorry to interrupt you, but I can think of one. We're both big. Yeah, that works. <laughs> um, <laughs> Payne and Glenn Jacobs are effective speakers. I guess that's true. <laughs> very different venues and ways, but I guess that's Yeah, true. very different ways, but I mean, one gives a good promo, one gives a good speech about their counties. I'll remember that one, all right? Yes, sir, I appreciate that. Also heard that you said a certain speech, everybody is born with a gift. So I want to know, I believe that too, but why do you believe that? Because you see it all the time. I believe the beauty of our world is all of us have something unique to contribute. It may not be something that's going to change the world, but it's something that people want, people value, something that makes maybe just your core of the world a little bit better. And it's whatever. It's your smile, it's how you treat people, it's your talents and your gifts, all those different things. And they're just different for every person. And I've seen that just throughout my life. And in my life, I grew up, my sister is very smart academically. 
she was a rocket scientist. She worked at NASA. She got a PhD in history. She's brilliant. My brother was an auto mechanic. He's really good with his hands. And I was the athlete in the family. My mom and dad had three kids and are all very different people. To me, what happens way too often is human beings and society try to put everyone in square peg through the round hole. And they try to do that with everybody instead of celebrating our differences. You have a gift and what we should be doing is nurturing that gift, bringing that to full flower and fruition. Too often we shatter people's dreams instead of encouraging them to really pursue their gifts and their talents and create the life they want. Let me ask you this then. As a mayor, how do you try to promote that in Knox County? Well, one way is through our education system and realizing that every kid's going to have different talents. Some kids test well and they're really good at academics. Some kids are good at athletics. Some kids are good in the skilled trades and those sort of things. Some kids are good at arts and kids are good at music. It's really just ensuring that there's opportunities to explore all of those things and not just saying you have to do this to be successful in life. But rather, there's all these different pathways that you can follow. Try some of them. And what's frustrating, too, is people have gifts. It's just sometimes society won't give us the time to do it. And they said, and you said, it's like, we can't find a building making snowman angels because that's their talent. As a parent myself, my kids to be happy and successful. But I've kind of changed my mind about that as far as, yes, I want them to be happy and successful. But I think the way that they do that is by living a life that is meaningful to them and and that they have purpose. And I think that way too many people in our society look at what society demands from us and looks at society's vision of success, what society promotes as being successful instead of what makes us feel fulfilled. That's a lot more important than what everybody else is saying. And you're really the one that has to figure that out. And I know you probably got your answer. You were happy when I heard your story on WWE Untold. Want to re talk about that? The one where you say you went to a concert in Nashville, you, it was the last picture. For years in WWE, I was there and it's a wonderful job. You're out there and you're performing and you're making good money and you're famous and all this stuff that our society deems as being successful. I was always happy enough with all that. But then I realized that the really true blessing was the fact that we had the opportunity to impact people's lives and had an effect on people. So a few years ago, my wife and I were at a concert and this woman came up to me and showed me a picture on her cell phone. And it was me and a young man who was in a hospital bed. And that was her son. And that was the last picture that she ever took while he was alive. It was me, right? And that's when everything kind of crystallized in my mind that that's what it's really all about, is being able to bring joy or at least the distraction to people when they're going through hard times and help people to maybe for a little while forget about whatever issues or problems they're facing by being immersed in, you know, taking them out of their world and bringing them into ours where for a little while they could get rest and relief because they weren't dealing with the problems that they were in their own lives. The reason I say that's a blessing is because a lot of people, they'll never feel that. They'll never know that it had an impact on someone's life or they 
change someone or because I'm never going to have someone come up and show a picture. That was what made my career in WWE so special was that I was able to, in some way, help people. I'll tell you this much, too. I, I was watching Countdown the other day, and I was watching the SmackDown one, Top 10 SmackDown moment, and they were talking about the 9-11 tribute show, and the ending was what yeah. Seth Rollins said, and that was, that's what we do to give a distraction from people's daily lives. Now, you've also done a lot of collaborations with Paul Bear, Daniel Bryan, The Undertaker, lots of people. And I got to ask, did Paul Bear embarrass you by saying, that's a miracle. <laughs> was that? I didn't understand the concept of that. We were pulling into an arena, and I would always, especially in those days, I'd always keep my face covered so people couldn't see who I was because I wore a mask, obviously. And it was all a setup. Paul told me that he was sick and he wasn't feeling well. I was wondering if I could drive. So I'm driving this like red Cadillac that he'd rented and wearing a mask, a ski mask, and he's sitting next to me acting sick. And we're pulling down the ramp where everybody's watching. Everybody's going, oh, there's Paul Bearer, and that's Kane. And then he rolled down the window and started screaming, Kane can drive. It's a miracle. And it was just a rib in the fact that here I am in a ski mask driving this car and you have him, you know, screaming out the window. Now, what you're funniest, though, was Team Hell No. That was some golden. My favorite one with Team Hell No, okay, it was not the anger management, but it was when you and Dr. Shelby and Dana were in that diner playing the way of saying, may I take your order? Just to see you, you know. Yeah, there was a lot of funny stuff. I had a great time with Daniel Bryan, especially because I was able to add a comedic element to the shuttle, which most people probably didn't think that Kane was capable of. So, for me, it wasn't just about having fun as team although it was also about proving to people that i was a multi-dimensional performer the kane character could be more than just a brody monster all the time and where did Kanaanite come from i saw that was a comical moment that was just that actually wwe did and that was just you have the hulkamaniacs and whatever and then we just decided to come up with Knights. i love rock just mumbling and be like what yeah. we're Knights, yeah i know <laughs> That was great, too. But there were a lot of funny stories there backstage. And one of them I heard was a game you play called Tommy Ball. <laughs> In case you guys don't know, Tommy Ball is where they literally throw tennis balls and they try to make the person bend down. And yes, they hit you right square in your groin area. And then you also started a wrestling school. So when did you and Bruce Pritchard begin your wrestling school? Actually, it's Tom Pritchard, and we've had that about four years now. And your wrestling school, I know you don't teach here, but what is something when you do go or Tom Pritchard is teaching, what's the one thing you want those wrestlers to know about pro wrestling that they didn't know when they were fans or what they need to do before they get into the ring. Really that it's an art form and it's not just about the moves, but it's when you do things and how you do things, it's really what you do in between. It makes sense too, because today's wrestling, I was watching the other day and he's right, but I think he was kind of mean negative about it because a lot of wrestling today is more of just doing the moves and there's not a lot of story. He's right. There's probably an audience that's old school that would rather prefer the Hulk Hogan's, The Rock, Stone Cold. I'm actually one of them, but I also feel like, you know, you're missing another half of people who actually like this new wrestling style who rather prefer it being the wrestling moves instead of just the storylines and the characters, which is sad that we're missing it, granted, but it's just the way times have evolved. Business has changed, but I think the art form is never going to go away and psychology 
and why you do things that'll ever change. And I did hear that I got to interview Al Snow. Can you better tell you that for the listeners? See you on 53 heading into the interview with Al Snow. But when you were in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, he tried to crack you up. Was there a time though, like you went backstage and you're like, blah, like exploding in laughter? There were a few times. Uh, I can't remember anything specific right now, but yes, obviously, you know, things would happen. So, what is your paradise meal or favorite food and why is it your favorite? I like Supreme Pizzas. And what is your favorite vacation that you've ever taken and why'd you enjoy that vacation very much? Went to Hawaii years ago with my wife and one of daughters. It's actually we were our first show after the Christmas break was in Honolulu. And it was just a good time. We went to a Honolulu and then Maui and just beautiful place. It is beautiful as well. My heart I was hoping to go there last time, but due to financial trouble we couldn't go, but we're hoping to still go one day. And the final question is are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? So you get in with a sentimental memory or a funny memory that made you fall on the floor and they give you with wrestling, your family. You're quite one answer it, buddy. I think for a wrestling career, just not so much a specific instance, but now anytime I go back and it's kind of neat just to be out there and people cheer and seem to miss me and I appreciate that. I know you probably won't go back, but there's some days where I'm like, man, if only Kane were here. And <laughs> you're on the screen, which is still awesome. And we'll end it with, there with a thank you, Kane. And before we go, is there any closing remarks, my friend? I mean, I appreciate you, Sam. Thanks, buddy. Good luck with everything. Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please join me for another episode coming in very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. Every intuition fails.